1: Inc. Fisco 2021 second quarter results. During the presentation, all participants will be in a listen-only mode. Afterwards, we will conduct a question and answer session. If you have a question, please press the 1 for by the 4 on your telephone. If any time the conference to reach an operator, you may press the start for by the 0. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded Thursday, November 5th, 2020. Now, I would like to turn the call over to Lino Saputo Jr. Please go right ahead.
2: Thank you very much, Tommy. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Taking part in our call today are Lino Saputo, Jr., Maxime Therrien, and Kai Bachman. Before answering questions from our analysts, Lino and Kai will begin by providing an overview of our fiscal 2021 second quarter results and an update on our operational initiatives. Before we begin, I remind you this call is being recorded and will be posted on our website. Please also note that some of the statements provided during this call are forward-looking. Such statements are based on assumptions that are subject to risks and uncertainties. We refer to our cautionary statements regarding forward-looking information in our annual report, press releases, and filings. Please treat any forward-looking information with caution, as our actual results could differ materially. We do not accept any obligation to update this information except as required under securities legislation. I'll now hand the call over to Lino.
3: Thank you, Sandy. I hope everyone is keeping safe. It's important that I begin by acknowledging our frontline workers and the broader Saputo team who continue to ensure our business runs smoothly and safely despite these trying times. As we contend with second waves and varying restrictions in many of our geographies, our team's ongoing dedication and the resilience of our global platform ensure we keep delivering the high quality essential products people rely on. As seen in our second quarter results released today, the effects of the pandemic continue to influence our business. During the quarter, consolidated revenues remained relatively stable compared to the corresponding quarter last fiscal year. However, temporary mandated closures in the food service space impacted consumer demand for our products sales volumes in the food service segment remain lower than historical levels, which impacted efficiencies in the US sector in particular and negatively affected adjusted EBITDA. Fortunately, as we move through Q2, there were signs of recovery instead with the gradual easing of government imposed restrictions. And while economic indicators have generally started rebounding, we are adapting to a new world in many of the areas where we do business, particularly as authorities adjust their strategies in response to the pandemic's evolution. There's no doubt we're still facing headwinds in the food service segment, which will persist as long as restrictions remain in place. With this in mind, and with key learnings from the last seven months under our belt, we're actively doing what we can to minimize efficiency losses through enhanced integrated production planning, overhead cost containment, as well as a repurposing of raw material to serve the healthy retail market. Since last quarter, the surge in our retail sales started to level off, but it continues to perform well. As such, we've not shied away from taking advantage of the situation and we're ensuring our innovation and marketing pipeline is well positioned to seize opportunities and drive future growth. With that brief overview, I'd like to invite Kai to provide further detail on our divisional activities.
4: Thank you, Lino, I'll start with uh, Saputo Dairy USA. The sector was the uh, most impacted by lower sales volumes as a result of the shift in consumer demand, especially in the food service segment which impacted the division's efficiencies and the absorption of fixed costs. There have also been challenges in relation to staffing some of our retail facilities, which has made it difficult to meet some of our retail requirements. We are, however, seeing improvements in having the appropriate level of plant staffing. We are also currently in the process of retrofitting and adjusting limited portions of our network, shifting elements of our primarily food service product-specific facilities to adapt to retail requirements in order to take advantage of available labor and processing capacity, and to position us effectively in another major COVID wave. We continue to see healthy retail volumes relative to historical levels and challenges in the food service space. There have, however, been some bright spots in the food service space specifically as it pertains to some of our key strategic QSR partners, as well as some of our food service partners that, that have been able to adapt their restaurants to more pickup and delivery. Another example on the food service side is through our legacy SDF legacy business is our refocused effort on specialty milk due to its extended shelf life versus HTST, which has helped operators deal with fluctuations in demand. We will continue to adapt to a quickly changing environment, whether related to COVID or whether related to customer and consumers' rapidly evolving tastes. And it's because of this that we announced the merger of our legacy divisions, Saputo Cheese USA and Saputo Dairy Foods. The merger is being led by Carl Kalitza and a highly capable, seasoned leadership team. The team is working on a strategic growth plan, leveraging the best of what Saputo Cheese USA and Saputo Dairy Foods has to offer to create a bigger, better, and stronger Saputo Dairy USA. This plan will include efforts to greater emphasize our market-leading brands in the retail space. Brands like Frigo Cheeseheads, which is the number one retail-branded retail snacking cheese, Montchev, which is the number one retail brand in goat cheese. Salemville Treasure Cave, which are the market leaders in the blue cheese categories. Our strategic growth initiatives will also tackle the challenge of increasing the value of our whey and protein ingredients. We will also be ramping up our dairy alternative initiatives to meet the changing demands of our customers and consumers. We are looking to leverage our existing infrastructure, our filling and processing know-how and technology, together with our strong customer relationships to accelerate our growth in this category. On the plant based beverage side, we have successfully rolled out almond and oat beverages and have landed our first contracts. It is our goal to have a national footprint in the United States as well as having a platform in Canada where we will leverage our existing customer and distributor relationships to accelerate growth in this fast growing category. On the dairy alternative cheese side, we have leveraged our UK innovation centre to develop a product that is currently being introduced to some of our key partners in the United States. Our goal is to develop a product that performs well on a pizza, that can serve us as a substitute for mozzarella for those consumers that prefer a non-dairy alternative. A product that tastes and performs like cheese with the ultimate goal of offering a product that delivers on nutritional qualities as well. As we've experienced firsthand in the U.S. during this COVID crisis, it is becoming more and more challenging to attract, retain and develop our manufacturing talent. As a result, we will continue to focus on operational efficiencies and continue to optimize our manufacturing network. This will include ramping up our IBV processes, leveraging our SAP platform as it comes to fruition, increasing automation in our plants as we develop our future capital expansion projects. We look forward to to sharing more insights into our strategic plan as we move into fiscal 2022. In Canada, new restrictions will have an impact on food service as in-room dining has been eliminated across a number of provinces. Our commercial teams are joined at the hip with our food service and retail partners, resulting in a much better understanding of supply and demand requirements. We anticipate seeing a less severe impact to what we've seen so far. Food service operators have adjusted their business models, simplifying their menus, catering to pickup and delivery. Our teams have been focused on growing our value-added products portfolio. An example includes the repositioning of the Armstrong brand, one of Canada's top everyday cheese brands through new packaging, new formats that cater to convenience, such as slices and graded formats, that include snacking formats as people continue to cook and eat more at home. In addition to new formats, new flavors like Smoky Cheddar Habanero have been launched as consumers look for bold new flavors. In an environment where retail will continue to play a key role in our continued success, the teams have the great advantage of carrying a portfolio of market-leading brands in the marketplace. Whether it's in Fluid Milk, where we have Dairyland in the West, and Nielsen in the East, whether, whether it's our leading Alexis Pobnes in the high-value specialty cheese space, whether it's Saputo, which holds a dominant position in the mozzarella and Italian cheese space, we have a tremendous array of brands that our teams will look to continue to develop to meet the fast-changing consu- customer and consumer preferences. Similarly to the U.S., we have shifted some food service processing capabilities and capacities over to retail to adjust the changing market demands. As with the US, the Canadian team has adapted their lineup to help our customers. We converted our ultra-filtered milk lineup, Joya, to shelf stable, meaning no refrigeration is required, and communicated this benefit in both food service and retail for customers looking to stock up and load the pantry. On the food service side, we've promoted our IQF, or quick frozen mozzarella, as a great alternative for pizzerias coping with fluctuations in demand. E-commerce continues to be an important outlet for consumers and the Canadian team has successfully rolled out Le Frigo in Quebec and the Saputo Fridge in Ontario and is now looking to roll it out across Canada. Not only are we diving into B2C, but putting in investments to ramp up our B2B and our B2C through B2B platforms. In other words, reaching consumers directly through retailers' online channels and through third-party online channels as well. We've got a lot more exciting things coming our way and we'll be sharing those with you in due course. Combined with the company's strong customer service and supply chain execution, it is our ability to produce consistent high quality products at the lowest cost that continues to drive our strong performance. In terms of our large-scale capital projects, we are on track to complete our St. Leonard and Saskatoon projects by the end of next month, which will give us increased capacities on a variety of higher value-add products. Our pork Coquitlam. Fluid and future plant-based facility is also on track to be, to be completed by the end of next summer. These are tremendous accomplishments in light of COVID restrictions. Moving down under, milk supply in Australia continues to improve and we are on plan from a total milk intake perspective. Favorable weather conditions have helped increase milk production for, for our current base of suppliers. We've seen increased milk purchases from third-party milk brokers, and we continue to increase our toll manufacturing opportunities. Volumes are performing better than prior year, albeit mixed between channels and within channels, has seen more volumes of lower margin products sold particularly on the export side. We've seen phenomenal growth in our Kuhn brand, which is the market-leading brand for everyday cheese. We anticipate that we'll be changing the brand name in time for next fiscal. The key is to ensure we do it in a strategic way that is fully aligned with our customer expectations. Liddell's is doing phenomenally well on the lactose-free cheese side, as are our specialty cheese brands we inherited as a result of our last acquisition of Lion's specialty cheese division. Brands like South Cape, which is the market leader in the total specialty category, Mersey Valley, King Island, and a host of other, of other amazing brands. On the food service side, Moss volumes continue to be stronger than forecast even during the current lockdown. COVID-19 has seen a significant impact on export prices, particularly on the butter side and in our ingredients business. On a more positive note, closer to Australia, we're starting to see signs of improvement in Japan, which is one of our most critical markets. Moving over to the UK, Cathedral City continues to perform very well for us. It's been voted one of the top 10 most trusted brands in the UK for all food. We've uh, gained over a million more customers versus a year ago. We're supporting this top brand with a substantial TV advertising campaign which articulates great reasons to tuck into the nation's favorite cheddar. We're leveraging the power of this brand by bringing it to our other platforms. By the end of this calendar year, we'll have Cathedral City available in over 6,000 stores in North America. And so far, the results have been tremendous with volumes more than double our original projections. Clover is our top spreads brand. It's been a game changer in that it doesn't carry any artificial ingredients. The brand is up significantly over last year. Frylight, another great brand that we inherited, the biggest spray oil brand in the UK, in the UK has seen healthy growth as well. The one area of our business uh, that poses a challenge for us is on the ingredient side. Uh, The IF space has taken a hit internationally and ingredient sales have suffered as a result. Our teams, however, are in the process of diversifying our customer mix and it's expected that we will see improved volumes as we move into the second half of this fiscal year. In Argentina, overall market consumption is down 6 to 8% and we've seen a plethora of smaller competitors that have had to exit uh, the industry due to the uh, COVID situation. And as a result, our teams have been very aggressive in terms of uh, picking up more milk and we've seen nice growth year over year. Food service channels are down versus last year, however, on the retail side, the business uh, continues to perform very well with La Paulina, which is the number one cheese brand uh, in soft cheese, mozzarella, semi-hard, and hard cheese as well. We are seeing uh, better forecasts for the next couple of quarters on the export side. In fact, this month, we are on pace to ship record volumes from our Argentinian platform. So that's a quick
3: look at some of our divisional activity, Lino. Uh, much appreciated, Kaye. Very nice. Uh, before we open up the floor to questions, let me end with a short progress report on our corporate responsibility efforts and initiatives during the quarter. Despite the challenges of COVID-19, our priorities remained intact in each of the seven pillars comprising our Saputo promise. Our people pillar remains of the utmost importance and we continue to put employee well-being and safety first and always first through enhanced measures that, uh, that uh, complemented uh, the already robust protocols we have in place. When it comes to our commitment to diversity in the workplace, our efforts have not wavered either. Recently, I was pleased to join over 70 CEOs in publicly pledging to accelerate progress for gender equality, diversity, and inclusion with a nonprofit organization, Catalyst for Change. Regarding our climate, water, and waste performance, we're making strides towards our 2025 goals and have allocated $50 million towards various projects aimed at reducing our annual energy consumption, CO2 emissions, water usage, and waste globally, despite the pandemic. For us, doing the right thing is the only way. And in true Saputo character, we maintain both a short and long-term perspective on the future health of our planet and our society as a whole. As we round out the first half of the fiscal year, I'm confident in our ability to adapt to new realities. We are ready to face any subsequent phases of the pandemic. We are determined to stay the course, and we are poised for future growth. Our solid financial foundation and strong cash flow allows us the benefit of being able to seize growth prospects in the context of acquisitions while navigating the current landscape. In short, if we can get the right assets at the right price, we are ready to move ahead. Profitability enhancement and shareholder value creation remain the cornerstone on which all our strategies are built. I'll end by once again thanking our talented and highly devoted team who continue to impress me every single day. And on that note, we'll now proceed to answer your questions. Tommy?
1: Thank you very much. And if you'd like to register e question, just press the one, followed so by the four on your telephone, you will hear a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If a question has been answered or to draw your illustration is the one followed by the three. One moment, please, for our first question. And we'll get to our first question on the line from Peter Scalari with BMO Capital Markets. Go right ahead.
5: Okay. Good afternoon. Um, my first question is about the Cathedral brand that you're, that you're bringing here. Um, it's impressive that you... Are going to be in six thousand retail outlets. So, can you talk a little bit, like how do you introduce, you know, an established brand from another market and bring it here and get all those listings? You know, the brand really has limited brand awareness here. Is it, is it a question of paying the listing fees, or is it through relationships with distributors and retailers? Just, just how does it work?
3: Uh, yeah, Peter, so uh, not just Cathedral, brand, uh, Cathedral City brand, uh, but we've got a, a wide range of, of brands that resonate with consumers in all markets and all categories. Uh, and, and perhaps sometimes we don't talk about that enough. You know, We talk about our proficiency and uh, cost reductions and our ability to be able to navigate through a lot of uh, choppy waters uh, with high-quality, low-cost uh, manufacturing sites. Uh, but our brands can carry the day with consumers. Uh, we're very fortunate that through many of the acquisitions, we've inherited some brands that have a great following. And, and there's great value in being able to share these brands with new consumers around the world. Um, you know, through some of the uh, trade agreements, we've been fortunate enough to inherit some of the licenses to import products. Uh, and uh, uh, Cathedral City uh, uh, does have a following around the world. Uh, we've got uh, you know, the, the, uh, the UK stamp on those, uh, uh, on, on those products, Cathedral City, and our products are being served in Buckingham Palace. So we use that as, uh, as part of our leverage uh, to be able to resonate with some of the, the retailers that want to have a very unique product on the shelves. But maybe in more uh, granularity, I'll ask Kai to go into some uh, strategies and ideas that we have to roll this out, not only in Canada, but through the U.S. as well.
4: Well, the U.S., uh, you know, through our DCI acquisition, we were able to inherit a whole host of brands that we were sourcing from Europe, and that allows to uh, tap into the relationships that we have with a lot of the major retailers, because Cathedral City is not just going to go on the, your regular, everyday cheese shelf, it'll be more in a specialty category, and when you look at the, uh, the types of cheddar that are available in the United States, frankly, most of them don't taste very good. So this is a this is a product that uh, has won prizes in in, uh, in uh, cheese fairs uh, is very well known in the industry, and so you know it's a high quality product. And Lino mentioned it, it's got the Buckingham stamp on it, but more importantly, we uh, we had the U.S. sales force come together and uh, we created a market blitz with the team, creating some excitement around the brand. Uh, you know, to be able to bring another uh, brand, another type of of cheese to the product portfolio that's already being sold to our existing customer base. A lot of strong POS uh, also at the store level. So a lot of uh, marketing activities directed, uh, uh, you know, ground level efforts, if you will, rather than uh, the TV advertising that we're seeing in the UK. So it's a combination of all those factors that have allowed us to kind of, uh, you know, start off successfully uh, with the Cathedral City in the U.S.
5: And Kai, is there an initial investment that Saputo needs to make in terms of trade allowance or otherwise, or is the economics similar to...
4: It's the uh, minim- minimal at this point as we ramp up, obviously, if we're looking to, uh, to increase those volumes significantly, there would likely be some investments required, but uh, we always look at every investment on an ROI basis, so uh, we'll evaluate it at that time. But so far, it looks very promising, so we're prepared to invest behind the brand.
5: Okay. And then just my last question is, and I almost hate to ask this because it's kind of a, an ongoing thing in the industry that seems to flare up every once in a while. But, you know, with the announcements, you know, everyone's seeing from Walmart, Loblaw, Metro, etc., on how they're imposing additional fees or discounts on their suppliers. Can you talk a little bit about how the dairy industry reacts to this? Or is this just normal course more of the same that? is always going on it just happens to get caught in the papers every once in a while
3: yeah so we really don't care what the dairy industry is doing with respect to response we really care about what the is doing in terms of our response look i think we uh we offer some things uh to retailers that no one else can offer you know when we're talking about the networking and 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 we're looking at uh uh, the uh, our integrated business plan from distribution uh, to innovation, as well as uh, a brand recognition, uh, connection with consumers, uh, market intel. I mean, we're not just a provider of dairy. Uh, we are a full-fledged provider of goods that make our retailers better, and we remind them of that. Uh, and then there are certain things that we would deem as non-negotiables, uh, and part of those non-negotiables are uh, for better... Uh, uh, for lack of a better word, an imposed tax. Look, everyone's hit with COVID-19 and everyone's costs are going up. Uh, And so uh, we don't see that there's any real value uh, in an imposed tax, uh, especially in a very tough, difficult environment. So we push back. And at the end of the day, we make it very clear uh, that we want to be partners uh, in a long-term sustainable business plan. And if we're not treated as partners, uh, well, then we're prepared to walk away, and we have in the past, Peter, you've known. Only to find that our competitors cannot service the market the way that we can service the market, and so some of the retailers come back to us. Uh, and so we are very disciplined in that approach. Uh, if there is going to be incremental costs, there's got to be an offset of incremental volume. And if there isn't an offset that allows us to be bigger and better with a uh, with a partner, uh, then uh, perhaps it's best for us to walk away, and we've done that before, and uh, this is part of the sapoodle character, irrespective of what's going on in the industry.
5: Yes, I recall that you walked from some business in the fluid milk, and it came back to you, if I recall correctly.
4: That is precise. And, uh, you yeah. know, it's not uh, isolated to uh, Canada, but we're starting to see the similar similar behaviors in our other jurisdictions. So whether it's in the U.K., and you're all aware of how strong the retailers are in in that market, whether it's in Australia where it's a a consolidated market from a retailer standpoint as well. So we have seen those uh, same pressures, but again, to Lino's point, I mean, when you provide the service and you provide a consistent uh, quality product, uh, they need you as much as we need them. Okay. Thank you for your comments.
3: Thank you, Peter.
1: Thank you very much. We'll proceed with our next question on the line from Irene Natal with RBC Capital Markets. Go right ahead.
0: Thanks, and uh, and good afternoon. Um, And, Kai, as you were reading everything that you were doing on the innovation side, both sort of, you know, product innovation in terms of categories, uh, in terms of, you know, all of it, and also the the shifts or some of the changes that you implemented in the production network, it seems as though you've really accelerated um, this sort of the the innovation plans very broadly defined, innovation adaptability and flexibility plans. Can you just walk us through whether some of these are new, whether you, in fact, just accelerated them, how you were able to accelerate them, and the the magnitude of the incremental flexibility that you now are gonna be able to have between channels that really should be helpful, particularly in the U.S.?
4: Yeah, I'd just like to clarify that, again, we have limitations, we can't you know, switch overnight from food service to retail, but we are doing the best we can in terms of you know, situations where we may have some labor shortages in, in one part of the country, as we're seeing a second wave in certain states uh, in the United States as an example. The ability to take some of the uh, production from those impacted facilities to food service specific facilities where we have the availability of labor where we have the availability of processing capacity, we're doing that as best we can. And but we're not going to be able to just overnight flip the switch. So I just wanted to clarify that. In terms of uh, the innovation uh, part of the question, I would say that it's always been there for us. It's 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 a matter of you know taking that and being able to roll it to other parts of our business, and that's that's why. Uh, you know, we did the merge uh, for the one USA with uh, SDF and then Scusa ScuUza, traditionally very strong from an operations perspective, SDF very strong from a customer consumer solution selling perspective. So in terms of uh, diving into uh, in the market Intel, the insights work uh, that's being pulled from, from, from consumers, we're taking that, adopting the SDF model leveraging the expertise from an operation standpoint from, from our SCUSA platform to be able to accelerate uh, you know, our push into those uh, priority areas that I outlined, whether it's retail, whether it's plant-based and other areas.
3: So if I can add maybe a bit of color there with some more specificity to your question, uh, COVID has provided us a license to, to change, a license to explore things we never have explored before. So some of the more concrete examples of our innovation, the e-commerce business. You know, we're looking at uh, a business that uh, is either B to B to C or direct B to C. You know, that's something that uh, we never would have explored in the past had we not gotten into this COVID environment. And these are things that are going to last uh, beyond the pandemic. Uh, We're looking at package formats that are uh, perhaps more appropriate for consumers in today's context. You know, and and repurposing uh, or retooling some of our plants to be able to get there. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, you know, also dairy alternatives. Uh, We're on the fast track now of developing a uh, 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 non-dairy mozzarella for the pizza trade. We will be first in market with that. We're leaders in the pizza trade, and if there is going to be a vegan pie on the market, we want our product to be the number one product on that pie. Um, We're looking at co-packing arrangements as well. Uh, We would never have considered co-packing arrangements uh, in the past. Now we're setting up our plants with long-term contracts where we can do some co-packing for others in our space. So these are all things that are creating innovation within the organization uh, that allow us to be able to utilize our footprint, be able to utilize our spaces, and maximize uh, the, the full capacity value that we bring to market, all the while offering solutions, as Kai had mentioned, to our customers, whether they would be competitors in the industry or whether they would be uh, end sellers to consumers or to end consumers directly. So I'm, I have to say I'm very excited about uh, you know, the things that we've learned over this, the course of this, these last seven months. And, and the programs that we're putting in place that are going to uh, outlast this pandemic, that are going to be here once there is going to be a vaccine and everybody gets back to normal life. Uh, uh, Irene, I, I am just so excited about where we sit right now.
0: <laughs> I can hear it in your voice, Lena. It's gonna—I I think you're gonna be making limoncello out of these lemons, let alone lemonade. Um, but I did, <laughs> Just um, a, a question, if I may, I was looking back uh, through the last couple, last few, few conference calls and it's been a while since we've taken a tour of the world on M&A, so you can let us know where you're interested, particularly by geography, and where you kind of might have some challenges in terms of market share. We're not.
3: Yeah, so there too, uh, Irene, I'm, I'm so <laughs> excited about the potential that we have uh, from an M&A front. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've said this in, uh, on previous uh, conference calls, we, our pipeline has been so full with uh, potential opportunities. Back then, we were talking about six or seven live files, and, and I would say that we do have some very, very live files going on right now. So the areas that, uh, that are of interest to us, of course, are the United States. And in the U.S., there still is uh, potential for consolidation. Uh, look, you may have seen some deals uh, uh, be materialized and we were not the winning bidders on some of those deals. And that's okay, uh, because we're always going to approach our business with lots of discipline. Uh, Discipline uh, when we go to market with our strategies, and also discipline when we make acquisitions. Uh, But when one door closes, I think there are three windows that open up, and I'm delighted about the windows that are open for us right now. So uh, North America, uh, United States, very, very uh, important platform for us, a hotbed of potential opportunities that could come uh, somewhere down the road. Um, uh, Australia. Uh, Australia, uh, there still are pockets of areas where we think there might be opportunity for us to further enhance our platforms that we have there. Our team is so diverse. Our team has been able uh, to navigate through these challenging waters. First you have the bushfires, then you've got the COVID, then you've got the economics, then you've got the milk that's declining, and yet our milk base is growing. Uh, I'm so proud of our team in Australia, and I think they need to be rewarded by more acquisition. And so if there are um, uh, files that will allow us to continue to expand in Australia, I think our team there deserves it. And then I'll move on to uh, Europe. You know, Tom Atherton and his team have done such a great job uh, um, uh, with, with uh, uh, the, the, uh, the brands and the platform that we inherited in the UK. And now we're fully integrated and they're chomping at the bits that uh, think about, you know, other enhancements of that platform through acquisitions. So we're also looking at Europe, the EU27, the largest milk pool in the world is an area that we think we could be uh, further consolidating in. So, uh, And then finally, I don't want to exclude Latin America. Our team, Marcelo uh, um, and his team are are just navigating really through, uh, I would say, triple uh, 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 threats uh, in their country. One is COVID, the other one is economic crisis, and then the other one is the political instability. And this team continues to navigate extremely well uh with all of those headwinds and so if there is an opportunity for us to make an acquisition we need to be smart about how and where we invest in uh, in argentina but uh, we need to reward them as well for the fine job that they're doing so um my final uh, thought to you uh, irene is that uh the pipeline remains full our balance sheet is good and i'm just so excited about what's to come
0: that, that's great. And just one, one final sort of question on that subject. Uh, you know, when you bought MG, you did have to divest of Kuroit because of market share issues. Are you confident that you still would have room to make an acquisition in Australia? I, I am
3: quite confident that there still is room. Of course, ACCC will have their final stamp on that because we are the largest uh, dairy processor uh, in Australia. Uh, But you need to look at it uh, uh, from from the different geographies, you know, where we are and where we are not. Uh, So um, uh, I think that there is room for us to make acquisitions. However, if there are pockets where we would have to consider a a Koroit-style remedy, then that's perhaps something that we would need to do if uh, it would come to that.
0: That's wonderful.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll get to our next question on the line. It's from the line. on Michael Van Elth with TD Securities. Go right ahead.
6: Hi. Good afternoon. Um, I wanted to focus on Canada to start. Uh, you had a very nice lift in sales and particularly in EBITDA this quarter. It uh, continues a nice upward trend from what we saw the last few quarters. So. I'm trying to understand though how much of this uh, lift is from say business that you recovered covered um, in you know in prior quarters or in recent quarters and from the price increase and how much of this might just be temporary due to COVID.
4: So in Canada what we've seen is a, a strong recovery on the food service side if we looked at uh, you know, the first quarter, uh, obviously out of the gates uh, from uh, the first wave of COVID that had a significant impact. Uh, but now as we uh, just come off of the second quarter, we saw a significant improvement over the last quarter. And on the retail front, as we've shared with you in the past, uh, the volumes continue to be quite healthy in that space. Uh, price, pricing wise, uh, the price increases have stuck. Uh, we've shared that with you before. Those would be some of the core elements in terms of the performance.
6: How about the, like, how much of this do you think is permanent, though? Or like, the, the retail lift, I guess, is is mostly tied to COVID, I'd assume. Although you also had one back to new customers. So, how can you figure? How do you figure out like how much of this you think is going to stick around?
4: Well, one would expect that uh, this would be sort of the base level, because we still are seeing an impact from a COVID perspective. Uh, so the you know COVID obviously is the wild card. And as I mentioned earlier, the, uh, we do anticipate with the, uh, with the new uh, lockdown in Quebec, in Ontario, uh, Manitoba, that that would have an impact, but uh, not as strong an impact as we had seen in the first quarter. So that will definitely uh, impact our food service business negatively.
7: Okay,
6: and how, how meaningful are your admit, lower admin costs or your cost controls during COVID?
7: Okay, Mike, uh, this is Max. Uh, you know, the elements that you're mentioning are all part of the, the good story uh, in Canada. The elements such as, you know, the, uh, the performance of the Armstrong brand uh, is to note uh, our ability to serve the market use our supply chain and to deliver on time most uh, uh, of the, all the locations uh, every time uh, is part of the success we do believe that is sustainable so is the uh, volume uh, whether it's uh, whether the category is on the fluid or on the cheese side we feel very comfortable about that and relative to price increase uh, price increase really talks about the increase in the raw material. So yeah, uh, there's not so much uh, we, we, you know, we, we can do. At some point, we've we got to reco- recover our costs. Uh, and uh, at some point, we, uh, we, this helped to offset uh, some loss of efficiency due to you know, some softness in the, the fluids, uh, food service segment. But all in all, that's the story in the Canadian uh, for this quarter.
6: But how, Max? How about the admin costs that you're like the lower travel yeah. or How much is that contributing?
7: Yeah, the the overall, if you look at it from an sg and uh perspective, they're all uh, favorable. Let's say to prior year in you know almost all of the sectors. Um, so it's not so much that uh, we uh, we uh, we cut project, but certainly there was some deferred in terms of uh, spending. Uh, no, I'm not going to quantify the exact amount of the, the lift that is relative to sg and uh, but it is part of the, uh, our discipline to running our business um, and it's as important as the, uh, the other element that I've been mentioning.
3: Uh, Michael, if I could just maybe uh, get to the heart of your question. Uh, so there are some offsets uh, in uh, cost containment relative to the COVID cost increase uh that we have within our facilities uh but once we get back to uh life as normal and people start to travel again uh including our teams to go see their customers or, or we get back to a, a higher level of promotion uh and trade spend well then that will be offset favorably uh with a decrease in covid style cost at the plant so i, I it's it's irrelevant what our cost savings are relative to COVID increases right now because I think that ultimately when we get back to a normal life, there should be a, a similar offset the other way.
6: Great, that's helpful. Uh, and then on the European side, um, I don't know if you mentioned, I, m- I might have missed it, but your revenues were lower, particularly when you back out FX and uh, kind of surprising given that you know, COVID is still going on out there and you're heavily weighted to retail. Uh, so can you Kind of give us more color as to why it's down and and how you know, how long you think this is going to last. Uh, Max, you'll
7: take that one. Yeah. Well, in uh, the retail segment, sales uh, has leveled up. Um, the uh, reduced, uh, uh, let's say, revenue in the UK is not so much from um, a retail perspective. It has more to do with the industrial business. We have roughly uh, 16, 17, 18 percent of our business on the industrial front, um, and we've been uh, facing some challenge from uh, both volume and um, and pricing perspective during the quarter. So our cheese. Cathedral City retail uh, remain uh, solid, uh, considering the fact that it has leveled off in Q2. And maybe Kai, you wanna comment on that industrial part? Sure. Um, so at the time we acquired the business, we actually
4: inherited an exclusive arrangement to market and commercialize all of our ingredient sales out of the UK. Um, our partner has been unable to uh, meet uh, the, uh, the volume commitments and uh, we've had an open dialogue with them and they have allowed us to uh, look to expand our portfolio uh, of customers and markets so that we're not dependent on on just the one partner. So the team is currently uh, working with other major uh, infant formula players in the international markets and we anticipate that in the third and fourth quarters we'll see a, a significant lift from an ingredients perspective. The good news is also I just wanted to share that last year we did have some difficulties in first pass quality on that IF grade on the ingredient side and this year we're hitting all of our targets which is great news. Now it's just a matter of going out and uh, securing the markets and the customer contracts.
6: So those volumes that you didn't
4: ship in this
6: quarter, will you, ma- will you actually, were you building inventories and shipping it out next quarters?
4: We are building inventories, and we anticipate shipping those out in Q3 and Q4.
6: Great. Thanks very much, guys.
1: Thank you very much. We'll get to our next question on the line. It's from the line of Mark Petrie with ABC. Go right ahead.
8: Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, Just specifically regarding the U.S. market, could you talk about the competitive dynamics you're seeing in both the retail and food service channels, notwithstanding the broader sort of industry trends. I was surprised to see the comment that retail volumes had declined. Um, so just uh, any color there would be helpful.
4: Well, you have to look at uh, both of our businesses uh, from a Saputo Cheese USA and a Saputo Dairy Foods uh, perspective. On the SDF legacy side, the uh, retail volumes uh, are very healthy. Uh, on the SCUSA side, much of the uh, challenge that we're facing, uh, I uh, shared uh, some comments in the opening statement was around some of the labor shortages that uh, we faced, specifically in some of our retail plants. Uh, Fortunately, we are uh, seeing that level off and we've taken uh, various initiatives to address the uh, gaps when it comes to uh, labor shortages. Uh, So we do not anticipate to see the same level of disruption as it pertains to fulfilling our uh, retail commitments.
8: Okay, thanks. And then with regards to the commodities um you know the market factors sort of benefit was was actually pretty minimal um despite you know the high block and and the best milk cheese spread we've seen in a while Um, i understand sort of inventory realizations weren't maybe as favorable um was that the main factor um or was it also because of sort of weaker ingredient markets um uh, help would be helpful to hear a bit about that
7: yeah yeah, Mark, the, the two main elements uh, with regards to market factor was around uh, the favorable spread that uh, we, uh, we've been able to, uh, to uh, enjoy uh, during the quarter. Um, but those favorable uh, spreads uh, were uh, almost all offset by a negative inventory reval- uh, realization. We started the quarter with a block price that was quite high and as we were uh, you know selling the inventory that that was built um, in in q1 uh, the inventory were realized at a much uh, lower uh, gap so therefore that benefit of the lower spread uh, the uh, the the better spread was uh, kind of mitigated the in the ingredient piece uh, was also negative for uh, this quarter but to a lesser extent. So the two big pieces was the favorable spread and the negative uh, inventory realization. As we're getting into um, the Q3, um, you know the the, the block remains stable all the way through the month of uh, October. Uh, so the inventory realization, um, you know, we can expect that there would be a less of a negative impact. Uh, but so is the spread as well. So the two. Uh, and the ingredients all also work uh, hand in hand uh, together.
8: Okay, understood, thank you.
7: and um, And if I could, just
8: uh, just with regards to the Australia market, um, uh, it was good to hear you know milk volumes have improved, but I, I'm interested to know just sort of broadly, supply and demand in the market overall, how that's evolved, sort of current run rate on on volume versus capacity. And then also in the retail market i know you know it can be a quite a competitive market just sort of curious how that's evolved through the pandemic
4: yeah from a, from a total market perspective domestically we've seen increases in volumes across the board for all the various product categories uh, especially on the cheese side we've seen uh, very strong numbers on our everyday cheese uh, sales especially on the coon side mm-hmm. Uh, Food service-wise, not as impacted as in other jurisdictions. And remember that food service is a small percentage, a small proportion of our total business in Australia. We're we're continuing to develop that space. Uh, The lockdown that uh, we just went through was uh, focused around the Melbourne area. So the rest of the country remained uh, open. Uh, So uh, we actually saw increased sales of our our mozzarella products specifically. So food service, we've actually seen some good numbers. So I would say domestically overall, both in retail and food service, good growth. Uh, The challenge, as I mentioned earlier, has largely been on the export side, but we see uh, a better picture as we enter uh, Q3 and 4.
8: And where are you now in terms of your throughput versus your capacity?
4: Uh, I'm not prepared to disclose the particulars around our capacity. I would just say that with uh, one of our facilities moving to uh, seasonal production, uh, that uh, relieved a lot of the uh, excess capacity that we had uh, prior uh, when we acquired the business. And uh, now that our milk intake is actually on the rise and with uh, increased opportunities on the toll manufacturing side, we're well positioned to bring on uh, more volume to, to run through our facilities. So I would say that we're in a much better position than we were
3: uh, at the time of uh, the MG acquisition. And Mark, I would say that we're on target with our three-year plan to get the 90, 95% capacity utilization. So we're actually, I would say, probably ahead of the three-year plan. OK, good stuff. Thanks. All the best. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. We're going to turn next question on the line from Patricia Baker with Scotia. Go right ahead, ahead with your question.
9: Good afternoon, everyone. First of all, I just want to make a comment, and Kai, I want to thank you for the review that you gave, uh, going market by market, and particularly with your emphasis on the portfolio and the brands and the innovation. I found that perspective uh, very, very helpful. Um, I also have questions the first one I think is for you uh, Lino. it just sounds like uh, the last seven eight months and the challenges that you've been facing uh, you know with the with the pandemic really forced the company to uh, you know uh, look differently um, at many elements uh, of, of the business and to do a rethink I'm just wondering if you believe that that created an even better culture within Saputo that you think will stay with the company and in fact uh, deliver some improvements to the business in the long run, that perhaps you wouldn't have, you know, that wouldn't have happened in the absence of, of those challenges.
3: Yeah, I really do appreciate your your question, Patricia, uh, because culture is so important to us. Uh, look, we we live and breathe the culture and the values every single day, and it's only in crisis where you're able to show your employees that you're going to stand behind what you say. Words are cheap, uh, action is uh, priceless, uh, and so for us. Uh, To be able to stand in front of our employees and take the right decisions uh, for them uh, every single day uh, allows us to be able to um, uh, live the culture, breathe the culture, uh, but uh, uh, relay the culture, which I think is even more important. Um, The fact that uh, uh, our employees are the most important asset we have, uh, and we demonstrate that through all the actions we take despite covid I think does uh, resonate with our employees and we do, I would say, have a better culture or a a, a living culture uh, that uh, is being um, a a witness by everyone in all of our uh, divisions around the world. Uh, So, uh, you know, and I hate to say this out loud because I know a lot of people are suffering with COVID-19, but I would say this pandemic has allowed us uh, to elevate our game and to think about things that we never would have, Uh, I would say it's been a transformational year for us. And, uh, you know, I talked about my excitement before in Irene's question, but uh, coming out of this, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that we are going to be so much better for it.
9: Thank you for that Lino. that's kind of what I suspected it's 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 uh, it looks like that from the outside and you from the outside you don't always know what's really going on on the inside my second question is around um the plant based uh opportunities and you noted that you're already producing almond and uh, uh, oat milk you already have secured uh, a a customer so can you talk about sort of what capacity production capacity you're putting towards that and I would assume that you're actively pursuing incremental customers for the plant-based beverage
4: absolutely we uh, we created a team uh, led by Larry McGilvery and uh, from a network perspective uh, we're already out of the gates uh, with our Florida uh, platform in Plant City, but we are also looking to introduce plant-based uh, capability and capacity in uh, Newington, Connecticut, as well as Port Coquitlam, as part of our Project BIG. So uh, the Canadian platform actually is not only going to be for Canada, but we're looking at a north-south strategy for, for that platform. So what we're trying to do is replicate the strategy that uh, we rolled out with with our US platform, having a national network that our customers can tap into and uh, leveraging, obviously, the uh, high levels of customer service that uh, we've been able to deliver. From a capacity standpoint, uh, for competitive reasons, I'm not going to share the uh, the numbers, but I would just uh, say that, you know, there's going to be plenty of capacity available, and our teams are, uh,
3: are already starting to fill, uh, fill that capacity up as we speak. And we're not shy okay. in, in reinvesting in capacity once we get full, and we will get full
9: and forgive my ignorance I don't know the answer to this question but what brand uh, are these under
4: we'll largely uh, focus on because it takes uh, you know you'd have to adopt a different business model to create a brand from scratch It would require heavy investments yep uh, we feel that uh, with the customer relationships that we have both on the food service side uh, retail wise we have great relationships QSR wise we have great relationships so it's leveraging those relationships and focusing on private label focusing on the manufacturing side of the equation is the strategy we're going to adopt
9: okay uh, excellent and then my final question is just on uh, automation you uh, reference that that will be an opportunity and something that you will have to do more of and I'm just wondering with respect to automation where do you where or which market do you see the biggest opportunity
4: Well, we see automation as an opportunity for all of our platforms. And we've already introduced uh, a variety of uh, automation initiatives as part of our standard strategic capital uh, that uh, we have in the various markets. And so it's not going to be isolated to a specific division. It's our intent to uh, accelerate our investments when it comes to automation
1: across all of the divisions.
9: Thank you very much, Kai.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. And once again, on the the phone, it is the 1-4 to ask a question. Our next question on is from Chris Lee of Desjardins. Go right ahead.
10: Oh, good afternoon. Um, Just a few quick ones. Lino, you mentioned in the outlook section that you expect the uh, volatility in the commodities to uh, moderate in the second half of the year and into next year as well. And I just wonder if you can share with us what you're seeing in the marketplace or what do you expect to see that would help that moderation going forward?
3: Actually, I'm going to hand this one off to Kai.
4: Well, what we're seeing in the markets, uh, and I spoke to it briefly, uh, if you look at uh, you know, Asia Pacific as an example, Japan's one of our critical markets, and uh, we're starting to see a lifting of uh, restrictions and uh, the market opening up a bit, and that's been reflected in what we're seeing in our Q3 and Q4 uh, shipments. So we are seeing a recovery in, uh, in some, of our, some of our key markets. Uh, so um, that's why we're see- we're expecting to see less volatility because we're seeing increased activity as There continues to be reopening of,
10: uh, of some of those critical markets Okay, that's, that's helpful and then in, in the US obviously the block price has been partly supported by the government's uh, food box program Do you have a sense if that program will be extended into next year? I know it's been recently extended to the end of this year, but how about for next year? Do you have a sense in, on that?
4: We do not have any confirmation that it will be extended beyond uh, where it's currently at. I think that where the food box program is in its fourth uh, fourth phase. Uh, the, the U.S. government obviously has uh, provided uh, billions in support to farmers as well. Uh, so the dairy industry has been uh, heavily supported in an election year. Uh, I would anticipate, if I had to guess, I don't think that uh, we'll be seeing that support extended unless COVID uh, continues to uh, spike and... Uh, and uh, you know there's still difficulties in, out there in the markets
10: okay and and also in the u.s have have you has there been any sort of meaningful pullback in sales volume because of the high block prices and, and customers just not wanting to be stuck with a lot of high price inventories
4: no actually we are seeing uh we're in, seeing an increased velocity in terms of our uh, volumes so uh, that's not the case uh
10: from our perspective okay that's helpful and then Just on on the U.S. again, um, if you can maybe share with us just the the sales volumes for each of the three customer channels in the U.S., how did they perform um, versus the pre-COVID level?
4: So I would say that, uh, you know, uh, from a food service perspective, uh, we've seen growth from a volume standpoint uh, quarter uh, Q2 versus quarter one. And uh, that would be the case in our, in our uh, SDF legacy, our Sifuto cheese legacy. Uh, on the uh, pretty much across all of our divisions, uh, we're seeing improved performance uh, quarter two versus quarter one from a food service perspective.
10: And then in terms of on the food service, I think last quarter you mentioned you were sort of back to 80% of the pre-COVID level in terms of food service volume in the U.S. Has that improved uh, through the quarter, or is it more or less the same?
4: It's uh, that that would be sort of the, the 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 benchmark, if you will. But there are certain you have to look at food service from a QSR, from a food service distributor, and from uh, you know some of the key accounts that we split out uh, 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 you know, as a separate category. So it really depends. But what we're seeing is stronger performance. It depends on the geography, but we're seeing stronger perf- the, the area where we're seeing continued weaknesses on the food service distribution side so that's the food service that's uh, primarily focused on independence uh, but we are seeing good volume uh, from a from a QSR perspective in, in most of our geographies uh, as well as some of our key accounts
10: perfect and then my, my last question just on the international side um, the, the decline in the EBITDA margin um, you mentioned I think in the opening remarks that it was partly because of the strong export sales growth, which tend to be lower margin. How how big of an impact was that in, in, the, uh, in the decline this quarter?
3: Uh, from an international perspective, Kai, yes, maybe just give a little bit of scope of what we saw in the quarter and perhaps even uh, going into the next uh, two quarters. We did have, uh, we did have a sizable uh,
4: uh, hit on the export side out of the gates which uh, carried from uh, the first quarter to the second quarter, one of our, in South Korea specifically. Uh, That uh, will come off as we move into the third and fourth quarters. And I think Max has
7: some more color he'd like to provide. Yeah, on the international front, um, yeah, there's a, a decline from a margin perspective as it relates to the pricing that we sell our product on the international market and the price of milk that that we've paid during Q, uh, during the quarter. Inventory that have been sold in, let's say, from our business in Australia has been built at a higher milk cost in the, the, uh, the, year of the milk year that ended in June. So I created uh, some pressure in the margin as we were depleting that inventory during the Q2. Is that helpful?
10: That's very helpful. Thanks for all your answers and hope you have a strong finish to the year and stay safe.
3: Thank you very much, Chris. Very, very much appreciated.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Saputo, we have no further questions on the line. I'll turn it back to you.
3: Thank you very much. Tommy?
2: We thank you for taking part in this conference call. We hope you'll join us for the presentation of our fiscal 2021 third quarter results on February 4th. Have a nice day.
1: Thank you very much. And let us conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation. As we disconnect your lines, have a good day, everyone.